An Elden Ring Story, read by Saruman the White, first of the Astari and head of the White Council. During their adventures through Kaelid, the Tarnished met Gowry and Millicent, who explained that as one of the celestial beings, Millennia holds the potential to reach the divine heights of Marika, but such a destiny may not bode well for the lands between, given the dark influence of the deity of decay, the Rot God, and the manner in which the Scarlet Rot corrupts all that it encounters. Yet, there are those who venerate Rot and yearn for her to ascend to godhood. The Scarlet Ionia incantation speaks of the Rot within Millennia blooming in specific conditions, causing the decay within her to flourish and driving her closer to divinity. This occurrence has transpired before, once during the battle with Radan in Kaelid, where the rot spread across the land, and probably a second time after her return to the Helig Tree. The next time it would happen would be during her battle against the Tarnished. And so it was that the Tarnished confronted the Empyrean Millennia in a fateful duel. And yet, even as the Tarnished drew their weapon and steeled themselves for the struggle, a twinge of uncertainty stirred within their breast. For millennia, though she had brought much suffering to the world, now sat in solitude, offering no threat to the residents of the Halig Tree or to the wider realm. But they had the frenzied flame burning within them, and it burned everything in its path. The battle was long and hard, tarnished against demigod, then with millennia unleashing the full extent of her power, harnessing the potency of the scarlet rot in an attempt to overwhelm the tarnished, who themselves gave in to the flames of frenzy, the battle turned to a struggle between two outer gods. At times the tarnished were hard-pressed to hold their ground, but eventually they succeeded in triumphing over their opponent. And yet, as they stood over the defeated millennia, a sense of unease washed over them. For in vanquishing her, they had brought an end to the life of one who, for all her wrongs, had been a victim of the corruption that consumed her, just like they did. As the tarnished turned away from the Halig tree and made their way back to the wider world, they were left to ponder the true nature of their victory. And so, the tarnished journeyed on, ever vigilant, ever watchful, bearing the burden of their actions, and the knowledge that their road was far from over. And now, more certain than ever, they had to find a way to purge the frenzied flame within them, if only in the hope of ever seeing Melina again. Thus, the tarnished started their search for a means to purge the flames of doom. It was said that there was but one path to avert the doom foreseen. The tarnished had learned of the fabled labor of Michaela upon pure gold, and in their aid to Millicent in her quest to the Halig Tree, they encountered a needle which might serve their purpose in this endeavor but they still had to find how to use it. At their return to Limgrave, the tarnished learned of a catastrophic event that had occurred, for a meteor had struck the earth and left a massive chasm in its wake. The cause of this disaster was attributed to the death of Radan, who had held the stars in check through his mastery of the arcane arts. The tarnished descended into the cavernous depths of Limgrave through the gaping hole and discovered the ancient cities of Nokron, Noxtella, and the nameless metropolis. Within these subterranean realms he encountered the spirits of ancestor followers, beings linked to the forces of nature and the woodland regions. Their attire, adorned with horn headbands, magic-infused arrows, and richly woven lore, hinted at a time long past, predating the rise of the Golden Order. Connected to these underground realms was the Lake of Rot, 
a place where the remnants of ancient ruins were inhabited by the eerie kindred of rot. It was whispered that this was the location of the outer god responsible for the spread of the scarlet rot. In stark contrast, the eternal cities of Nokron and Noxtella were crafted by the Nox, a once great civilization that challenged the power of the greater will and suffered defeat. As a punishment for their audacity, the Nox were cast underground, and the reason for their fall and the events leading up to it remained shrouded in mystery. These underground cities were also home to the Silver Tears, a sentient liquid metal that was utilized by the Nox to forge the Mimic Tears, capable of shifting form at will. The Silver Tears played a crucial role in the tale of Rani, whose story was intertwined with the cosmos and the stars, as well as Renala's resurrection and her acquisition of the Great Rune. The exact relationship between the Silver Tears and the Sorcerers of Leonia, however, remained a mystery. The creation of the Fingerslayer Blade was said to have been planned by the Nox of Nokron, yet it is uncertain if their plot was ever brought to fruition. The events that took place in Nokron remain shrouded in mystery, but rumors suggest that their attempt to forge a Lord Mimic Tear was what sparked the Greater Will's wrath and the downfall of their city. The exact cause of Nokron's ruin is unknown, but the remembrance speaks of Astel, a natural born of the void, who brought about their destruction and took away their sky. Whether Astil was sent by the greater will or summoned by the Nock themselves remains a mystery, yet the eternal darkness spell describes the downfall of Nokron as the manifestation of the despair that brought about its ruin. Surface dwellers have ventured into the depths of the eternal cities, seeking to unravel their mysteries. Such was the case with the Falling Hawk Company, who were sent as slaves to explore Noxtella, but never returned. The path from Nokron leads the adventurer to the Deep Root Depths, where the source of the corrupted roots of the Erd Tree can be found. At the top of the depths, they discovered the body of Godwin the Golden, who has merged with the roots and now holds the title of Prince of Death. Before the shattering of the Elden Ring, the elusive Black Knives had sought to obtain a piece of the Death Rune, a power that could grant immortality in the lands between. But the Black Knives were not content with mere immortality. On the night of the Black Knives, they used their rune-infused blades to strike down the soul of Godwin the Golden, who had once been a beloved figure in the lands. Though his spirit was slain, his body lived on as the Prince of Death, corrupting the lands and creating the twisted, poisonous death root. The reasons for the assassination of Godwin the Golden remain shrouded in mystery, with motives of the Black Knives a subject of much speculation. Nevertheless, the tarnished one who delves into the treacherous depths of the lands may uncover the truth of the Black Knives' actions. As the news of Godwin's death continues to spread across the lands, its repercussions are felt far and wide. Marika, who had once cherished Godwin as her own child, was said to have been consumed by such grief that she was driven to shatter the Elden Ring. But the events leading up to the shattering were not so simple. Michaela, too, had tried in vain to save his soulless brother. Meanwhile, members of the Golden Order saw those who lived in death as a corruption of the Erd Tree and sought to destroy them. In their journey through the lands between, the Tarnished encountered the beast clergyman, Gurank in Kailid. After interacting with the mysterious figure known as D, by lending aid to D in the purging of the undead, the Tarnished may earn the trust of Gurank 
and find themselves united with him in their shared mission to eradicate the corruption that plagues the lands between. These undead, known as those who live in death, are born of contact with the foul substance known as Death Root, which had its roots in the soul of Godwin the Golden, the Prince of Death. Dee perceives the undead as a threat, but the tarnished may come to understand, through their travels and encounters with others, that their existence is not one of choice. Gurank himself has consumed Death Root and views it as his sacred duty to eliminate the corruption caused by Godwin and the Prince of Death. Through the destruction of Death Root and the purging of those who live in death, he believes that he may restore balance to the world. However, not all share the views of Gurank and Dee. Some, like the deathbed companion Fear, hope to protect those who live in death from the persecution they face at the hands of the beast clergyman and his followers. The continued corruption of the Prince of Death and its impact on the lands between and the Erd Tree, yet to be fully understood. In the blood-soaked swamps near the Eternal Cities lies the domain of Moog, Lord of Blood. It is in this murky and sinister place that the tarnished encountered the infamous Lord, for he is sought after by White Mask Var, a former war surgeon who served during the Great Shattering. Var, who first meets the tarnished in their travels, has developed a fondness for the art of amputation and will lead them to the swamp in pursuit of joining Moog's followers. Though Moog shares a common ancestry with Morgoth as an omen child born of Marika and Godfrey, he bears no loyalty to his family or the oppressive system that shaped his life. Instead, he revels in the power and fear his reputation brings, and the swamp that serves as his domain is a reflection of the darkness that resides within him. It was in this place that Moog was visited by the enigmatic outer god known as the Formless Mother. Her coming was a sacred event to those who followed Moog, for it was she who granted him a power beyond measure, a power born of blood and wounds, which Moog came to see as his greatest weapon. As the tarnished approached the Lord of Blood, they bore witness to his communing with the Formless Mother. With a fierce determination etched upon his countenance, Moog would raise his trident high and stab it into the air, drawing the blood of the goddess and using it to fuel his dark magic. But the blood was also a curse, a burning inferno within Moog that was difficult to control. This is why he sought the aid of war surgeons like White Mask Var, those who might be able to tame the accursed blood. It was Vara who succeeded where others had failed, using the bloody power of the formless mother to help Moog emerge from the sewers and establish his domain in the underground. It is true that Moog, Lord of Blood, did abduct the Empyrean Michaela from the halls of the Erdtree. His motivations were made clear when the Tarnished finally encountered him within the depths of his mausoleum. He sought to become the consort of Michaela with the ambition of becoming an Elden Lord. For, as is known, Michaela, being an Empyrean, had the power to ascend to godhood and take the place of Marika, the current deity. Should Michaela so choose to ascend, it was Moog's hope that he, as her consort, would become the Elden Lord, following in the footsteps of Godfrey and Radagon before him. It was Moog's intention to establish the Mogwin dynasty, a new order that would displace Marika and other demigods, breaking the grip of the greater will and putting an end to the rule of the Golden Order. Yet, whether or not Michaela's ability to bewitch and control the hearts of others played a role in Moog's own affections remains a mystery. Despite his efforts, 
Moog was unable to awaken Mikella from his slumber within his cocoon, leaving the question of what would happen if the Empyrean were to awaken and ascend to godhood unanswered. Sir Gideon Ofnir, well-versed in the powers of the Empyreans, did even consider destroying the cocoon and Mikella within it to prevent such a fate. Nevertheless, even after the defeat of Moog and the claiming of his great rune, Mikella remains within the Mogwin mausoleum, his fate uncertain and shrouded in mystery. And so, with the demise of Moog, the last of the demigods who once claimed rule over the land, a new age dawned. For the Empyrean, Mikella still slumbered in his cocoon, held captive in the Mogwin mausoleum, and Rani, a powerful figure, had cast aside her great rune and was more seen as an ally than a foe by the tarnished, probably because she reminded them of Melina. The tarnished, through their journey underground, still found no knowledge on how to use the gold needle to rid themselves from the frenzied flame. And thus, the journey to crumbling Faram Azula could be postponed no more where the fabled destined death, the last of the great runes, was said to lie. And so the tarnished ventured forth, determined to claim the final rune and restore the power of the Elden Ring, which would bring hope and light to the land once more. For the tarnished, the journey was long and filled with peril, but their spirit remained steadfast, for they knew that their reward would be the chance to bring about a new era of peace and prosperity for the world. Ironically, the tarnished didn't know yet that their salvation from the flame lay in the same timeless place they were heading. The ancient city was built to honor the dragon Placidusax, who once held the revered title of Elden Lord among the dragons and was considered the chosen agent of the greater will in the lands between. It is said that before the age of the Erd Tree, Faramazula was the birthplace of the dragons, and was protected and served by the beastmen, serving as a hub of dragonic power and rule. However, how the once great city met its downfall remains a mystery. Some say that it was attacked by an outside force, possibly a cosmic entity or even one of the outer gods. The tales speak of a meteorite striking the city, causing its destruction and lament the dying cries of the Dragon Lord. The tales also speak of how Placidusax fled outside of space and time. The truth of what truly befell Faramazula remains unknown, but its ruins stand as a reminder of the power and majesty of the dragons that once ruled the lands between. As the tarnished approached the summit of Farumazula, he encountered Gurank, the beast clergyman, who asked why he had come in search of destined death the clergyman, as it turned out, was none other than Maliketh, Marika's shadow and the keeper of the Rune of Death. 